Hi everybody, this is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Are you struggling to heal after a narcissistic abuse divorce? This is what we're going to talk about today with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. She is a clinical psychologist from New York City and she is the host of the um, Divorce Doctor podcast. And we are going to talk with her today about healing because healing is complicated. But if we don't heal, we're vulnerable to these wounds coming back and possibly attracting the next narcissist or potentially taking away from the good life that we can live. So without any further ado, let's welcome Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Welcome. Would you do me a favor and just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. On Instagram, I'm the divorce doctor. Um, so that's some, the, the name I use um, in this world. I'm a clinical psychologist with over 15 years of experience working in psychotherapy with individuals who are going through a divorce. And I have created an online program to help guide women in particular to heal, thrive, and grow post-divorce. And I have a podcast called The Divorce Doctor, where I interview amazing women, including you, about their divorce stories so that I can share with people who feel like they're alone, that they're not really alone. Um, and I'm very grateful that in April of 2021, I have a book coming out called Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You, which is my healing program for helping people step into the next chapter with love and light. Nice. That's awesome. And, and, and just perfect. But my question is, how does one go ahead and be a divorce doctor? Because people always say to me, well, how did you even start writing a book about divorce and all of this stuff? How does one become the divorce doctor? Well, I became the doctor first and then the doctor got divorced and I had to put together a healing program for myself and I'm privileged to have a lot of training. So I, and I had a lot of colleagues who could help me put it together but I didn't want anyone else to have to piece it together the way I did. I really had to do patchwork to find it. And so I really wanted people to have a comprehensive healing program that they could go start to finish to move through. I think this is really important because my work moves through both the grief and the loss, which I think you need to process and the moving forward. So I talk about it um, like you would set an arm that was broken. First, you have to figure out what's going on with it. Then you need to clean it out and fix it. And then you can rehabilitate it. So it, it, the whole process, I think, is very essential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for telling us that because um, everyone is always looking for that right solution. And I think that as most people have learned, the people that are experts in this field are the ones that have been beaten down by this um, divorcing a narcissist and learning from experience and putting what we might have learned in books into practice and going, oh, sometimes it works like that, but it could also work like this. And, and more than that, it's again, like you're saying, what we're gonna talk about today is how to heal from this sort of divorce. And yeah. every, there are a lot of people that don't understand what they're in for, um, yeah. much less what, what happens afterwards. How do we move on? How do we find ourselves again? How do we become whole and, and, and heal a lot of these wounds, but yeah, there, there's a big stigma also about divorce. So I feel like people just think that that's over. People still come into my private practice and say, I went on a great date with someone, but he was from a broken home. I mean, this is 2021 and we're still using that phrase, right? So we really need to shift how people look at divorce and divorcing a narcissist. 
someone said to me, and I have no idea if this is true, but I bet you have some inkling on it. They said mm. there's a 51% divorce rate. I didn't ever hear that. It's, it's yeah. up, right? That's why we have to change. Exactly. And because also I, I like to say that divorce is a choice for many people. Either you choose that your relationship isn't working anymore for you, or you decide you're able to choose when your partner comes to you and says they're not happy. Like it is the, the women in my program are called super women because it is the bravest move you could ever make. Absolutely. Because it's leaving all your security, all of your, you know, like, okay, exactly. all your dreams, you're just going, okay, bye. I'll go find some more dreams. I thought I'd be married till I was a hundred, but okay. Right. And I can tell you as a psychologist that our neural pathways of our brain take in information and believe that we're going to have one history and one story. And so it is actually in our brain, we think we're going one way and we have to undo that or unlearn it. And that takes a lot of time. Absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest problem is people go, okay, can I just check into like a Betty Ford for NARC clinic? Like, mm-hmm. like make me better in a week and I'll, I'll be happy with that. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. And, and I think everybody's wounds are different. They come into the divorce with things that might've been from their childhood that are unresolved. And there's just all kinds of things that everyone, it's like a, it's like a a smoothie of emotions, right? It's like, take a little bit of that and a little bit of fear. And we've got this smoothie of where your emotions are going through during this. But I want to ask you, why is divorcing a narcissist so emotionally different than divorcing someone that isn't in the cluster B family? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. I think you have to look at what was happening in the marriage, the chronicity of being with someone who's cluster B. Because when we go, it's difficult and challenging to divorce someone who has cluster B traits, but it's even more impossible to live with someone in that way. Mm -hmm. And you have lived with them and you have developed beautiful, amazing survival mechanisms to live through it that need to be undone. So you have extra work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think too, the, the, the tactics that are used in that breaking up of a, of a relationship mm-hmm. can be a lot more cruel in the narcissistic where the lying, the smearing, the, the false allegations, you're just like, who is this person? Like, why can't we just end peacefully and with grace? Instead, it becomes a battle. Well, that's a, a really important point because in the DSM-5, nurse, one of the key pieces of narcissism is that everything feels like an injury. So there is, the person is seeing the world as if everyone is an extension of them. So either any, any move you make has a ripple effect on someone's self-esteem and someone's self-concept. And that is really powerful when you're going through a divorce, because I always say the healthiest way to get through a divorce is to take your emotions and help have me, a therapist or coach help you with them. Don't bring them into the divorce. And when you're divorcing a narcissist, it's all emotions the whole time. It's, it's like a hot potato. It's just like, what's going to come to me next? Oh, pass the potato, pass the potato. What, what else is coming? And you don't have a chance to emotionally get through it you are just surviving. And that's why the recovery I think is so much more challenging because again, in my book, I list um, people as the dumpy or the dumper. So if 
someone has dumped you, left you, um, and whether it was blindsided and you had no idea after 30 years of marriage that they wanted to do something else or they have a second family or a girlfriend, whatever it is, right? All of a sudden you're, you're dumped. And that wound of abandonment, that, that betrayal can make it so much more difficult versus the person who says, I'm done. And they've packed their bags and they've secretly planned and they've plotted and they've saved their money and they are doing it because they're, they're ready. And they're, you know, that doesn't need as much emotional ladder climbing as yeah. it would if someone puts you down and you're just blindsided and shocked. Yeah. So in that vein, you know, the, the dumper, the person who gets dumped, a dumpy, um, how, do, how do they recover faster? Like, what's the difference in the, the two? Yeah. I just mentioned the abandonment and the betrayal, but from yeah. a psychological point, can you elaborate yeah. on that? Absolutely. That's a great question, Tracy. Um, so I am trained in cognitive behavioral therapy and also in somatic experiencing for trauma. And um, in trauma therapy, we see traumas, um, differently based on how they happen, how you interact with them. So there's a specific category called a shock trauma. That's like a car accident or a plane accident, something that you're going along and thinking things are generally okay. And then boom, something happens. Mm -hmm. There's a different kind of treatment that we have to do with those kinds of experiences rather than something that you decide because the nervous system does not like to be caught off guard. It's actually, I'm a New Yorker, what happened in March and during COVID with New Yorkers with COVID, as opposed to some of some people in California or other places, not to say they didn't have that, but their trauma is different because they knew it was coming. We just kind of got blindsided by it. And that's a whole extra piece of trauma work that has to happen. So I would say to people, if, if you've been dumped, you need to know that not only do you have to you know, mourn the loss of the relationship and try to figure out how to work with your narcissist, you also need to do a little work with someone on the shock and what that was like. And we kind of help the nervous system. One of the questions I ask a lot is, um, what would have helped you? How, what, how could you have known this? If you knew this was coming, what would you have wanted someone to tell you? And it's a really important way of getting control back when you feel like you've been sideswiped. Absolutely. I love that. I have actually never heard that piece of it, but I, I went through the shock. I went through the thing and my own therapist of all those years never said those words, never really broadcast that there was an additional wound there is. that I was struggling with, and which made it a, a lot harder. Um, yes. And so, you know, there's a whole list of, of wounds that people can get. What are the most common wounds that you see when people are recovering from divorce? Um, specifically with a narcissist or in general? Narcissist. Narcissist, yeah. Um, I mean, just deeply, deeply deflated sense of self. Mm-hmm. Just I, I, on my podcast is so interesting because I've been interviewing women and men who've gone through divorce and I asked them a question of what would ne- you now tell you back then? Mm-hmm. And almost all of them say, you are so strong. You can get through this. You can do amazing things. That so many of them felt so deeply ineffectual and that they couldn't cause any change because that's what it feels like to be with a narcissist where the whole world revolves around them. And so I think that's really the hardest part, believing you have the capacity to move and change anything. Now, you can't change them, but you have so much capacity to change you. 
but it gets kind of, you get kind of confused. You're like, I can't, I'm so powerless over them. So I must not be able to change anything. No, no. You might be powerless over them, but you can still do a lot of changing. Absolutely. And that's the key for people. You know, that's the, the biggest part of recovery is to give up the hope and give up the, and, and grieve the fact that you can't change them. Exactly. That's an important part of it. But, um, you know, the, the confidence to stand up, that yeah. is your fear. Like, I think that is one of the biggest things that people, it's underestimated that, oh, I've got fears. Everyone has fears. And when you're going through that, the change is a big part of the fear. What will tomorrow look like? I don't know. I'm scared. How will it look? And sort of thing. And I want to just say something about hope that I've been saying a lot when I've been interviewed recently, which is I really want to honor hope because so many people think, oh, I just, I kept hoping and wishing they would change. I think hope is such a, I mean, we need hope. If we don't have hope, then we don't have anything in this world, right? So, so honor yourself for having that and know that you will know when it's time that you have had enough. But don't shame yourself for the fact that you were hoping things would be different. A lot of people say to me, oh, I shouldn't have stayed so long or no, you, you needed that. So. I, I had a, uh, I made a quote for Instagram this morning that said, um, if you don't find hope, the poison worked. Mm. And then I added, if you don't find happiness or trust or love, the poison worked. Yeah. I mean, we look at the fact that we're the ones that are taking our hope away. So we have to hold on to it, even if it may seem like it's hard to believe it. This is where we take the faith and the hope to, I don't know how it's going to happen. That's faith to go. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to hold on to hope right. and, and have the faith that it will be okay. It's taking it into a new place versus I just hope it'll change, but going, no, I have a faith that will change. And that changes the perspective and the reframing so that you can heal faster. Yeah. Beautifully said. So what happens if people don't um, do this work? What, what, what's their destiny look like? To, if they don't heal these wounds after a divorce, what happens? Yeah. Oh, it makes me so sad because I really think that there's so much life that a lot of people have unlived. Yeah. Like they never get to fall in love with themselves. They never get to realize how amazing and radiant and fabulous they are they lose out on opportunities to learn more about themselves and what they like. And they'll never be able to have really true deep partnership because we repeat what we don't work through. And so, you know, to be able to be in a relationship where someone listens to you and trusts you and cares about you is incredibly powerful. It's not everything, but it's an, and, it, and I want people to have choice. I guess that's what I would say. Without healing, you don't have choice, whether to be in a relationship or not, how you want to decorate your house. Like you never, I want people to be able to have choice. Right. And I, I think too, there, there's a vulnerability if we don't heal these wounds, because you said it a second ago, if we don't heal it, it comes back to us. This is just the way the universe works. If you have an abandonment wound, the vulnerability is that someone that may not be of all of the, the worthiness that we think they are can come into our life going, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. And they are the abusers, right? If we have a wound that needs to be healed or someone's going to fix that wound, then, then we are relying on them. And when they leave or something happens, then we are the ones double injured, right? If we have an abandonment wound and we heal it, that person can come in our life without needing to fill that hole 
of wound. And, and so they have no power over us. If we have this stuff all like, yeah, I don't care if you go, I don't care if you leave, if you're you know complimenting me, then you get to stay. But as soon as you are dependent on their love to make you complete, you're the one that's going to get hurt if you are with the wrong person. Right. And you can learn if you look at yourself, how the tools and the tricks you learn to manage and be in that relationship and learn how to release those, then you won't be able to be in those relationships anymore. Absolutely. And you're going to, you know, attract that higher vibration person that everyone definitely for sure. It's, it's, it's the low vibrations are attracted to your wounds. Mm -hmm. Look at those wounds and start to go, oh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to face that and move through it. But I think still people make big mistakes. What are the biggest mistakes besides the loss of time, besides the, the, the abandonment things? What are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're going through this process? I think the, the first one is to focus on the other person and take their inventory constantly. We are not going to change another person. The only person we can control is ourselves. So I recommend, you know, I, I tell this story about how I was in the playground. My kids, when I asked my ex-husband to leave, my kids were six months and two years old. So in the playground and I was telling another war story and, you know, at first it felt really good. And then it felt like crap because I realized, what am I going to keep telling? I mean, there are plenty of stories, but what, what was this getting me? Nothing. Like I needed to figure out how did I end up here? Why do I, why am I the person in this war story? Like, by the way, there are two people in the story. So how do I figure myself out? So I think the biggest mistake is people over-focus on the other person. Mm -hmm. And I think connected to that is that they can't let go of their resentment to the other person when it comes to the kids. And I just think that I know it's the hardest part, but it kills your kids if you talk negatively about your ex, even if they are the worst, you need to let them figure it out on their own. They can't be in unsafe situations, but you are not telling them how terrible your ex is, is not going, what it's going to do is make them ally more with them, by the way, because that's how kids are. When you're forced to do something you do, you can often do the opposite. Let them have their own experience. If you are right that that person is this way and that way, they will see it. And if you raise them to trust their instincts and trust their gut, then they will know when something is not right. And if you raise them as a healthy parent, they will see what happens when the unhealthy parent is acting. They'll, they'll get it. You know, people worry that because you didn't get it, because you were blindsided by their narcissism, that your kids will. If you raise them differently, they won't. And that is the key, is, is also letting go of, of the hope of making this better, letting go of the hope that it, they can change and just go, let them change. But right now I've got to take care of me. And, you know, it's not your job to, to wait around. And, and I think people get stuck in victim. You know, it is this story holds you to that victim story when you're rattling off the, oh, and you're going on and on, you're living it. Like you've just said in the, in the, in the playground, right? You're sitting here and you're like, why am I saying this? You know, you get tired of hearing yourself over and over and people will go and they'll read, you know, 20 narcissist books. And I'm like, I think you've covered narcissists. Yeah. Your book on healing. Let's right. look for self-love. Let's go for this. Let's understand your fears. Let's go for anger. There's so much that people can be 
like absorbing in their brain that they over narc educate. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the marathons of YouTube until two in the morning because they right. sleep. Well, I think that's also, so that's also part of the symptom of being with a narcissist. You have been with someone who has made you doubt your reality. So you're staying up all night trying to confirm that you are right. So we are here to tell you if you picked up a book about narcissism, let alone five, or if you watched a number of YouTubes, like you got the information you need, now what? And I, I don't, I think that the label can be helpful for guiding people and in information, but the more important piece is like, what's your label? What's your stuff? It's just like, what's yours? Like mine was, a, I was a codependent. Like I had to figure that out and I had to go deep into that. Like that's what I had to do. It didn't matter what he was. Exactly. And that's the part is to turn the, the mirror to yourself and go, why me? And I was watching, um, I can't even remember Ted talky guy this morning. And I wrote this quote down because I just loved it. it had nothing to do with our interview, but you were just talking about it. Uh, <laughs> he said, what is the common factor in all of his failed relationships? He went me. I had to look at myself. I can't change anyone but me. And that's where we, we change that focus from where we are and blaming. Yeah, they did it. They did it, but we're holding on to it if we're sitting here story barking about it, right? Totally. You go and say, what about me? Oh, I'm a codependent. Oh, I didn't have boundaries. I didn't know what a narcissist was. There's a lot of accountability. And when we work on those things, we're healing the wounds. Absolutely. And I, I do want to say that this trying to figure out the story and tell, tell his story that had short-term gain. It felt good in the short-term kind of like a drug, but it felt really bad in the long-term. It got me nowhere. Turning the mirror on myself got, was really uncomfortable short-term pain for amazing long-term gain. So I just have to say it's hard work. It's uncomfortable, but it is the only work that you can really do to shift anything because way after you're still telling the story, they've gone on with their life. I love the expression, I don't know if you've heard this before, um, someone's living in your mind rent-free, mm -hmm. right? That that's, you know, like he's not thinking or she's not thinking about you. So let's, they're thinking about themselves. How about you try that too? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's really good advice. Um, yeah. and that's really the key of what we want people to understand here is to start to look inside and again, this is not to victim blame. Um, I do work with the domestic violence agencies and they're not allowed to teach boundaries because that's victim blaming. And I'm like, what? Mm. <laughs> you're not victim blaming to say I didn't have boundaries. Why didn't I have boundaries? Look at that one. Oh, that's right. I lived with a narcissistic parent that I haven't opened that box up yet. Oh, that's why I didn't have boundaries. I wasn't allowed. You just sit there and you take this snowball as far back into the wounds that you think you're finding and go to look at them with an open mind and go, I want to be better. I don't want to repeat this pattern. If you've got children, so important to not repeat the pattern and, and, and empower them with that self-love that they will have boundaries and not let something like this happen to them. For sure. And I really, it's important for people to know that whatever you did, whatever behaviors you were doing were incredibly smart for what you were going through. You are not, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just that we don't need those behaviors anymore. So how can we shed them? Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming here and talking with me today. I'm so excited about your book coming out. When can we expect it on the shelves? 
It'll be on the shelves April 21st and 2021. And my divorce doctor just dropped today. So today is the first day it's available. There'll be episodes every week. So on the podcast. Yay. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And I hope you'll come back and join me again. For sure. Thanks, Tracy. Isn't she smart? I knew you guys would find some really good information when we spoke. Um, when two divorce geeks get together, we could talk all day long. So today we hope that you got some healing in our conversations and that you can go and look up Elizabeth on her podcast. Start following her. If you're going through this divorce, let's get you emotionally healed from this point forward and start today to change the rest of your life. Um, if you haven't subscribed to my channel, please do. I always forget to ask for that. Um, and if you're looking for answers about narcissistic divorce or questions about understanding a narcissist, visit my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. We've got so many resources and um, we can get you some answers. So I hope to see you soon. And that's all we got.